0: This is Lee from BowlerX.com. If you're looking for the best prices and service after the sale on the Internet for bowling balls, shoes, bags, and accessories, come check out BowlerX.com. We carry products from all the major manufacturers. All in-stock orders ship out to you the same day. And best of all, we ship your items fully insured for free. That's right. We don't charge for shipping on any item we sell. Look for BowlerX.com at the 2012 USBC Open Championships in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. In conjunction with the event, we will be awarding one lucky winner with a $500 gift certificate, good for anything we carry. Simply go to www.bowlerX.com between February 10th and June 30th, 2012 to register. We'd also like to congratulate John Tassano. Of Seabeck, Washington, who was the winner of our $750 Brunswick Arsenal giveaway. John walked away with four high performance balls from Brunswick and a KR Strikeforce four ball roller bag. BowlerX.com is the online bowling superstore and a proud sponsor of Above180.com.
1: Jet Bowling is a proud sponsor for Above180.com. Want your score to soar with a new jet altitude or any other great ball in the current lineup? Go to JetBowling.com, enter coupon above 180 and listeners can get a great discount. Jet Bowling, taking your game to a maximum altitude. Looking for some added competition? Having a hard time finding a tournament in your area? Tired of all the added expenses and traveling to a tournament? VirtualTournaments.com was designed to allow bowlers to use their league scores towards a national tournament. VirtualTournaments.com has multiple divisions available along with brackets and high game side pots. Visit virtualtournaments.com today for information. Virtualtournaments.com. Real bowlers, real scores, real money. Above180.com, taking your bowling game to the next level. Tim Berg and Joey Surrar are ready to hit the lanes approaching the issues that you, the bowler, want to know. From the latest equipment reviews and coaching to drilling layouts. Now, from Washington, DC and the Bowlers Pro Shop in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Here are your hosts, Tim Berg and Joey Serrar. Joining us this week is 36 time champion, including nine major titles, Pete Weber. Uh, last week, Pete defeated Michael Fagan 215 to 214 to win the 69th U.S. Open in North Brunswick, New Jersey. Pete, thank you for joining us today. Tim Berg and Joe Serrar here.
2: Tim and Joey, how are you doing?
1: Doing well. Hey, welcome, Pete. I want to begin, Pete. I got a chance on Friday, I was watching you at the U.S. Open during the cashers qualify, uh, Cashers round, and it looked like you really started to put something together with the, the right equipment in your hands. At what point did you come to the realization that it was going to be a very special week for you, or that at least was possibility for you?
2: Well, you know, the, the whole week, uh, I've always said that uh, I get better in the long formats. I get better in the as it goes on. And uh, you know, it just uh Friday was a little better day for me. I had about a hundred over. Uh for the eight games that's for the people that don't know, that's about seventeen hundred. You know, and I you know, I didn't really do good the first night of match play. Uh you know, I started off the second eight games of match play with uh, one sixty, so you know, I kinda of was like 300 pins out with fifteen games to go. Uh one of the guys gave me a little tip, uh, and I tried to do it and I started getting a little bit more ball reaction and, uh, you know, I started shooting 200 more consistently and, you know, I wound up winning five games was only, uh, well, I started the day 220 out and I fought my way back to only like 110 out with eight games to go and, uh, Chris Schlemmer, my ball rep, uh, drilled me up a couple new balls that just, uh, Read the lane a little bit better than the stuff I had and, uh, uh, Saturday night I just went crazy. I mean, I went 6 and 2, uh, Saturday night with about 200 over. Well, Pete, uh, Joe here. i got a question for you. You, you say you received the tip while bowling. Was it from a fellow competitor or from Chris Lummer? Well, it was, uh, I'd rather not mention any names, but it was, uh, just a friend of mine that I've known for Known for 20 years, maybe even longer than 20 years, uh, but he was sitting watching one of his guys' bowl and just gave me a little tip. And like I said, I'd rather not say any names. He knows who he is. Being a ball guy, I'm always curious about balls being used and, and layouts, and uh, I thought it was a, a very bold move on your part to switch products in a championship game. Uh, Can you talk about that a little bit? You started with the Marvel Pearl, and uh, can you just kind of give us your thought process during that match? Well, my Marvel Pearl was laid out with the the pin down and the hole on my axis, which is six inches from the middle of my stand. Um, And I had a really good reaction with it, and then uh, Brian Schaefer played in there for the first game, and then Michael Sagan was playing in there, too, also. So we, we kind of ate the oil up a little bit, and that marble pearl just started reading the line a little, a little too quick. And in the practice that I got before the title match, uh, that uh, Schlem said, uh, hey, why don't you just throw that, that frantic, let's see what it does, you know, just in case, uh, so you have another option. And I threw it a couple times, and, uh, you know, I hit the pocket with it and actually struck with it. So, I, you know, I knew what it was going to do. So when I changed to it in the title match, I wasn't afraid to go to it because I already knew what it was going to do. And so I had confidence in changing to that ball. All right. And, and I noticed that the pin on that frantic was pretty much located in the center of your grip, uh, whereas typically more often than that we, we see pins located above your fingers. Can you talk about well, yeah, that pin? Usually we have uh, basically three different layouts. Uh, pin in the middle of my stand like you saw on the TV show on the Frantic. Uh, the pin either right below my fingers or right above the fingers. And usually when we have a pin down, my hole goes down away from my access point to, to get the ball into a roll a little bit quicker. But what he did with that Frantic is he, he took the hole and put it down, but he moved it closer to my thumb hole so it would kind of lay off a little bit on the back end. And that's why I went to that ball because it wasn't so sharp on the back end. And it gave me a much smoother, more controlling roll. And that's why I switched.
1: Again, joining us on the Above180.com podcast is five-time major champion Pete Weber. That probably never gets old hearing that as your introduction, Pete. Uh, wanna, wanna ask you a question here. Uh, a lot was made of your reaction to some movement that was made by, by folks during your, when you were bowling. It happened during the, the first match against uh, Ryan Schaefer, and it happened a couple times scattered throughout the show. Uh, would you care to explain to everyone what happened? Because all, all the people that weren't in attendance, all we saw was what was on TV. Uh, could you kind of explain it as best you could, what was actually happening uh, to, to while you were bowling?
2: Well, uh, I... I remember against Belmo and Fagan, uh, but the the one, uh, there was a girl that was sitting to my left, but I could still see her when I was on the approach, and she was just moving around while I was trying to start my approach, and you know, it kind of bothered me, and uh, then a little later in the game, there was another lady a little farther down the lane, right next to the like rail. And uh, she started moving around, and so I had to get a little bit more belligerent, I guess. And You know, I asked him to stop moving again, and then I had to ask him what was so hard about that to understand. stand. And, you know, I just, me being me. And then uh, against Michael Fagan in the second frame when I left the uh, tent in, uh, I heard a kid in the, in the audience yell out, yes loud and, you know, like I said, I don't mind you rooting against me, but don't root out loud so I can hear it. And uh, that's what would get on my nerves, with just people moving in and people rooting against me.
1: Uh, Pete, would you be a fan, uh, the, I know the PBA does their best to try to keep the fans as close as they can to the action, but would you be a fan of them maybe moving that back a lane to go so that, that it will not be caught out of your peripheral vision?
2: No, I, I don't care if they're that close, uh, you know, as long as they they stay still, I don't have any, any problem with it. And it. It creates a little more sight for, for them, so. I, it doesn't really matter to me if they want to move them back, they can move them back. If they don't, then it's a good deal. After winning the U.S. Open, are you, you're going to a tournament in, uh, Muscatine, Iowa? Muscatine, Iowa, yeah. Uh, Muscatine, Iowa? How do you, Motivate or get yourself ready to top the U.S. Open. I mean, you know, both physically and mentally. How, how do you psych yourself up to want to go out there and, and kick some butt? Well, you know, it, it's it's uh, it's gonna be hard to top this. I think it's, well you know, maybe I don't want to pull, but you know, I gotta go pull them anyway just to make money or, you know, and add to my regional titles, too, you know. I'm I've, Dale Travers got a few more than me now, and uh, I want to get back out, and I want to bowl because I'm throwing the ball good, and I don't, I've i got to take advantage of while I'm doing it. While I'm throwing the ball good, i got to stay out here and bowl as much, much as I can. Right, and, and you are throwing it rather well right now, so I think we're going to see quite a bit more of you, Pete, uh, in the near future, and I, I wish you the best of luck.
1: I always get the guys on from their, their manufacturer and have them talk about their bowling balls. So just talk a little bit about some of the great priests you've been throwing with Storm.
2: Oh, uh, we, we had a couple of new ones come out. We had the Modern Marvel come out, and we had the Frantic come out. We had uh, the Crossroads come out, and then we just had a new one come out called the Vivid. But I really haven't got a chance to throw that one, uh, so I really can't comment on it, but the the crossroad it, it is a good um, medium ball. It's a good all-around house shot bowling ball. It's probably going to bowl reed house shots very well. Uh, the modern marvel is a little bit. It uh, is a little bit more aggressive. Probably need a little bit more oil for that ball. And uh, what was the other one I said? The frantic. The
1: frantic. Yes.
2: The frantic. That, that's, uh, probably a little more aggressive than the crossroads. It, it picks its roll up a little quicker and, and has a little more skid snap, uh, reaction to it to where the, the, uh, crossroads is a little more even rolling.
1: In, in doing a lot of the pro that you have to do with the PBA, uh, one of the reasons that me and Joe started Above180.com and one of the things we really wanted to do is help bowlers take their bowling game to that next level. So in doing these programs, what is one thing you see bowling with the amateurs out there, or I mean, even maybe even you see it at regional folks? What's what are they doing that really is holding them back from taking their game to the next level?
2: Well, the the thing I see most, and not just in amateur bowlers in the country, but around the world, is that they really don't take their spares very seriously. And if they miss it, they don't really care. But what they're missing is that that spare adds 10-10s 10, 10 or more to their game after they make the spare, and that's what keeps ge- ge- them 180 and above average bowlers. But, you know, that, that's something that at home when I'm practicing, I mean, uh, maybe I don't practice a lot of spares, but at least one day I shoot them all when I leave them, so I know I still know how to make them, and I still know that I know how to throw the ball flat. But that's the biggest thing I see in bowling all around the world is that amateurs just don't take the spare seriously.
1: What do you think your dad would say if he saw people nowadays, it's, it's very commonplace for people to hit the reset. They don't even shoot the spare, let alone try to make it or throw just a strike shot. They just hit constantly hit reset. What do you think some of the bowlers, you know, the Don Johnsons, the, the, your dad, the Dick Webbers, what would they say to people resetting on, on spares instead of shooting them?
2: I no, the only thing I can think they'd say is you better practice those because those count, too. I mean, they are the part of the game, so you better practice those.
1: Well, again, Pete Weber, thank you for taking time to join us on the above com podcast. We're going to uh, wish you best of luck this weekend, and uh, Pete, continued success on the PBA Tour. Hope to see you for many years to come out there. All right, Tim. Thank you so much. You bet for Pete Weber, Joe Sarar, This is Tim Berg saying good luck and good bowling.